Thank you for listening to the Bellwether Podcast. Today we're talking about how to live as a Christian in our daily lives. Next Sunday we'll be focusing on Jesus and politics with the upcoming presidential election. Again, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us for worship 1030 every Sunday morning at Jackson Academy Performing Arts Center. We have been talking about Be for the City over the last uh, several weeks, about how we as Christians can be for this city, how we can be for Christ here in this city where God has planted us. Today I want to talk about how we can live day to day as a Christian. Because we come to church and we do our Bible studies, but I mean, each day, how can we live for Christ? How can, how can we be a Christian in our day to day lives and in our relationships? I'm going to read from Luke 10, verses 1 through 21, and I believe that this passage shows us how to do just that. Luke 10, starting with verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for this town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven. You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Again, today we want to talk about how to be a Christian in our daily lives. And what I hope you will know, that each and every one of us, if we have Christ in our hearts, are called to be a messenger for Him. We are all messengers, 
And I believe that this passage shows us that we have a mission, we have a message, and we have a motivation. First off, what is our mission? In this passage, Jesus sends 72 of his followers. 72 in verse 1. If you read earlier in Luke chapter 9, he sent the 12 to heal the sick, to cast out demons. Chapter 10, he sends 72. Why 72? In Genesis 10, all the nations of the world are named. There's 72 nations. Jesus is saying, 72 sent out, going to all the nations, and representing all the nations, that we should go and be on mission for him. He's saying it's not just the leaders, it's not just the apostles, it's not just the 12 that go, it's everyone, it's you, it's the 72. Anyone who has Christ in their lives, everyone all over the world. Ephesians 2.10 said, So we were created for good works that the Lord prepared beforehand that we should live in them. You were created for good works. You were created for a great purpose. You were created for a great mission by God for Jesus here and now. We want you to know that. I believe we're living that out here at Bellwether. So many people are serving so many times it goes unseen. Give you a couple examples. One, you heard about our youth today doing a bake sale out front, preparing to go to breakthrough. Two, some of you are familiar with the Walk to Emmaus ministry. We had over 20 people work this walk over the last two weekends from preparing food, preparing letters, sharing prayers. Loving on people in this walk to Emmaus ministry. Two totally random acts. I, I talked to a visitor who came to our church last uh, weekend, and they said the reason they came was because two men in this church had loved on them, had invited them. And these were two guys that, quite honestly, it surprised me that they had invited this person. I mean, I just don't think of them as like invitational, trying to get people to church, loving on them. But that's what they did. There's a, there's a young man right now who's mourning the loss of a parent and many people have surrounded him in love. There are people who've had babies recently and so many families are bringing them food. There are many ways that we can serve. There are many ways that we can be on mission. And what I want you to know is that sometimes there are hands out there that only you can hold. Not me as pastor, not a small group leader, not a Bible study leader. There are some lives that only you can speak into. We all have a mission to go for Jesus. Not only do we have a mission, we have a message. What is that message? Yes, it's Jesus. And yes, you may think you know that. But the message is so much greater than, than we can fathom. In this passage in verse 9, the message is, Go and tell the people the kingdom of God has come near. Our message is the kingdom of God is near. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what challenges you're facing. But the kingdom of God has come near in Jesus Christ. God can be as close 
as you want him to be. God, God can live in your heart. God is with us now. The kingdom of God in Jesus has come near. That is a great message. That is, that is a, we, we can't, we really can't comprehend it. And that God has come to us in Jesus. Christmas is coming up, the incarnation. God came to us. God wants to live with us. And that's what we want for you. Even more, Jesus says in verse, in verse 16, he says, The one who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. This is a radical statement from Jesus. He's saying, I am God. He's saying, if you reject me, you reject God. Some may say Jesus was a great teacher. Some may say Jesus was a great prophet. Jesus say, no. Right here, he's saying, I am God. You reject me, you reject God. And when we go out and we proclaim this message, we want people to get it. We want people to know it. We want to convert people. A lot of people have problems with conversion. They say, hey, I like Christianity. I like uh, the good works and the teachings. But this whole converting business, I mean, I, I don't know if I can... I can do that. I don't know if I can get that. I mean, aren't people just, you know, free to make up their own mind? Well, I would say this. If we're not in the business of converting people, maybe we're not in the business of really believing. Now, now yes, we have to be very prayerful and very careful and very discerning of how we convert. I mean, you know me. I'm not going to hit you over the head with the Bible. I'm not going to say where... Uh, where do you think you'll spend eternity if you died tonight? And I don't think we should go about it that way. But if we're not trying to lead people to Jesus to say the kingdom of God has come near, and if you reject Jesus, you reject God. I mean, if we're not saying that with our lives, with just how we relate to people and, and trying to draw them to Jesus, then we're not really believing. I mean, Jesus didn't say believe and sit still. He didn't say believe and just stay in your house. He said believe and go. John 10, 16, Jesus said, there are others, i got to go. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go and make disciples. Acts 1, 8, you will be my witnesses in all the world. Our call is to go, our call is to convert. And we need to be thinking and praying about how to do that with our neighbors, with our families, maybe our spouses, but into all the world. We have a message. It is good news. It is the gospel truth. And, and did you ever think about what the word gospel meant? I mean, we say it all the time. You hear me say it. You hear, um, you hear it said, just like in Christianese talk. You hear it said in Sunday school class. What does the gospel mean? The gospel was actually used uh, a lot, uh, uh, much, much, more than, much more than just when Jesus was alive. It was used uh, before Jesus uh, taught and, and ministered. Uh, the gospel, the word gospel literally meant fact, as in you can count on this. This is factual. And really for centuries before Jesus came, it would be the gospel of Caesar, as in that was news. That was news you could count as fact. That was going to happen. So the gospel of Caesar was this or that, blankety blank, you know, whatever it was, but it was the gospel. It was the news. Another example, 700 years after the gospel, after the gospel of Jesus came, there was uh, the Battle of Marathon. And we've got some marathon runners here. And the Battle of Marathon happened in the town of Marathon. 
in Greece, and the Persians had attacked the Greeks. The Greeks were supposed to lose, but the Greeks defeated the Persians, and you had a guy run from Marathon to Athens, which was 26.2 miles, all you marathoners know, and proclaimed, the gospel is, we have won. And then he fell down and died. But that was, that was gospel. Gospel is a proclamation of something that has happened. So we say the gospel of Jesus Christ, that this is fact. Jesus happened. He is God. He is Lord. And he wants to be close to you. He wants to live in your life. Would you receive this good news? We all have a mission. We have the greatest message. And we also have a motivation. And this can be very tricky. This can be very confusing in that sometimes we get our motivation wrong. We get our motives wrong. I want you to see this. Really see this. Verse 17, it says, The 72 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Let me clarify this for you. What has happened is the disciples went out, they healed, they cast out demons, they came back and they said, look at us. Look how great we are. Look how powerful we are. Look at what we have done. This can happen all the time. It can happen to us. It can happen to me. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the high of ministry. I'm talking about the rush of ministry. You're like, Man, are you crazy? What, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. When you, when you are part of something that is so powerful, that is supernatural, when you are part of someone coming to Christ, when you are part of someone being freed, when you are part of someone being saved, man, it is a, it is a, a rush. It's powerful. When you are part of the works of God, when you have the Holy Spirit working through you and in you, you're like, man, look at this. And we want to say, look at me. Here's what I mean. Look at me. How many people have came to Christ in this church this year? Look at us. Look how big we are as a church. Look at me. How many people I've led to this Bible study. Look at us. Look how much money we're giving to missions. Look at us. Look at how many people we're sending for a mission. Look at us and it is the wrong motivation and Jesus is calling them out and Jesus will call us out. He's saying it's not about you. It's not about what you've done. It's about what I've done. We've got to have the right motivation. What is it? Jesus spells it out. Verse 20. He says rejoice. Not of what you're doing, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This had very practical meaning to the people he said that to. One reason is because if your name was not written on a census, 
in that time, you were, you were literally a nobody. I mean, you were a nobody. Also, for the Jews in Old Testament, they believed that when you stood before God, your name wouldn't be written, your deeds would be written. And if your deeds were good, then they would write your name and you would enter into heaven. Jesus is saying, your name is already written. You are already in. And it's based on nothing that you have done. It's based on everything that I have done. Not casting out demons. Not healing. Not saving lives. You're already in because of what Jesus has done. Let me give you an illustration of this. Several years ago, about 15 years ago, I went to New York, New York City with my parents. And uh, there was a, a lady who um, is a friend of the family, actually a friend of someone in this church, Fran, who on our worship team, it was her aunt. And so she was showing us around the town. She was quite the lady uh, about town, knew all these folks, uh, you know, had lived there so many years. So she wanted to take us to the Rainbow Room, which is this swank restaurant. Uh, it's above NBC Studios. Um, and it's, it's very famous for, uh, you know, people have sung there like Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr. It's kind of a, you know, uh, that type of place, you know, um, which, I, which I liked. And this was a lot longer, a lot, lot uh, uh, much longer than, than when I thought about becoming a pastor. But anyway, we went to the Rainbow Room. And, you know, my dad and I, we're just, uh, we're good old boys from North Mississippi. And we get there and, you know, I'd, I'd want a nice shirt and some slacks. Uh, but certainly no dinner jacket or anything like that. And uh, we go up, and the maitre d' says, uh, I'm sorry, gentlemen, there's a dress code. You don't have a jacket. And then uh, this lady, our, our escort, Fran's aunt, uh, she said, now, now, wait a second. I want you to go right back there, and I want, to get these, I want you to get these men two jackets for us to have a table. Well, anyway, she knew the, the owner or the manager, and uh, subsequently he went back got two jackets, brought them out. We put them on and had a, uh, a wonderful evening. And um, our friend said, uh, our lady friend said that, uh, you know, if the President of the United States walked in here without a jacket, they've got a jacket for him. And so we had a great night. But here's what I want you to think about. One day we will come and stand before God. Before we go into heaven. And God will say, if we have Jesus in our heart, you're already in. Your name's already on the list. And he says, you don't have to wear the best jacket. You don't have to wear clothes of righteousness. Because what he sees on us is Jesus' righteousness. What Jesus has done for us on the cross. And he'll say, because of Jesus, you're already in. You don't have to wear your good works. You don't have to look the best or dress the best or be the best. You're already in. Regardless of how you look, regardless of what you wear, regardless of what you've done. And that is grace. And that is radical grace. And that is grace we can't comprehend. That is grace we can't understand. It is the grace of Christ. We want you to get that. We want you to know that you're already in. And that's our motivation. When we get that, when we get that grace, 
then we want to share that message. We want to be on mission because we don't deserve it, and yet we have it. But it's hard. It's hard to get. It's hard to realize. It's hard to live in. C.S. Lewis wrote a great book called The Screwtape Letters. And in it, he has two demons who are talking about how to bring us Christians down. One's an older, wiser mentor demon, and the other's a young, upstart demon. And he says the best way to get these Christian folks, the best way, he said, press in to their boredom of the humdrum. Their boredom of the humdrum. Now, humdrum is a very British word. C.S. Lewis was British. But what he meant was their boredom of the ordinary. Their boredom of the day-to-day, week-to-week, taking kids to school, picking them up from school, going to work, going to the grocery store, making dinner. The ordinary. Their boredom of it. And he says, you do that and they will want more. They'll want more than Jesus. They'll want Jesus plus. They'll want church plus. They'll want Christianity plus. They'll want life plus. They'll always be wanting more. And isn't that the truth regardless of where you are in life right now? We want more. I just shared with you the best news, the greatest news that we will ever hear. We're already in. We're already in. And we want more. I got that. I want an exciting, adventure-filled life. We had it. We're all on mission. We have a great mission. We've got the best message. Live it. Live it. I know a lot of you, maybe a lot of us, are simply bored. We're, we're stagnant. We've maybe given up on life. And like, ah, there's nothing for me. I'm done. I'm just going to settle. We're bored. And we want more. Jesus is all we ever need. What he has done for us is all we could ever ask for or wish for or hope for. And it's happened. We are already in. Please, please, don't get dragged down by the boredom of the humdrum and realize that we are all messengers of Jesus with a great mission, with the greatest message, and our motivation is that Jesus has done it. Our names are written in heaven. Your name when you know Jesus in your life, is written in heaven. It's amazing. That's wonderful. You don't have to ever be bored. You have a great mission. To your neighbors, to your spouse, to your family, to your children, to your city, to the world. And we are called to go. Today, I hope you will have the right motivation that our names are written in heaven. And I hope you will know anew the message 
of Christ, that in him the kingdom of God is near, and that you will begin to be on mission for him. You don't have to go all over the world, but you certainly can. But we can start here with the person sitting beside you, with the person living next door to you, to people who need to know the kingdom of God is at hand and that in Jesus we are already in. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us to know the good news that you have come and in you our names are written in heaven. Give us peace in that. Give us strength in that. Give us excitement in that for lives who are on mission for you. Let us know the message in our hearts and in our souls. We will never get bored. And that there is no humdrum. That this life has great things. That you have a great purpose for us. May we live into it. May this church live into it. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that because of what you have done, we are already in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.